1: This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media Thanks to the generosity of our supporters Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily Please make your donation today at vision.org.au
0: What would Jesus say to the New Age? I believe number one, He would say God loves you and send His Son to die for your sin."
1: Hi, and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. Today we'll continue the New Age as we explore modern spirituality. What would Jesus say about today's pantheistic society? Our society with many gods.
0: Now this is another example why, if you ask me to accept all religions, you're asking me to live in a loony bin world. You're asking me to check my brain at the door. How can somebody who says this be fundamentally similar to Christianity? And how can both of these systems be true?
1: This is Today with Jeff Vines and The New Age
0: continues. The New Age revels against secularism. Here's what we have to understand. And this is why I do have compassion for those in the New Age. The New Age movement was a direct response against the death of God theology. When the death of God theology occurred, it came in what we call the second form of enlightenment. That everything could be explained by science and that everything was matter. But New Agers came along and said, hold on a minute, if if science explains everything and everything is matter only, now you see the inconsistency here, that means that who's gonna explain this longing that I have in my spirit and soul? Who's gonna explain why I see a great ocean or a great mountain that I have this uncanny feeling inside of me that searches for the above and beyond? So New Agers said, science can't explain the soul and the longing of the soul. So we're going to reject science and we're going to start something else that brings back the beyond, the stars and the galaxies and the aliens and these feelings that I have all pinned up inside for something that is transcendent and beyond and special. But here's what they did in the new age when they said, your secularism has taken away the spiritual world and the longings of the soul. New age is a great way for Americans to have their spiritual cake and their physical fulfillment too. Because even though New Age brings back the spirit world and the sense of otherness and transcendence, at the same time, he does it on his own terms. He is God and he makes the rules. Now listen carefully. There's an article in Newsweek. Stay with me. It says, spirituality is on the rise in America. And it goes on to say how people in America are searching. Atheism has not worked. People are looking for spiritual answers. But as you read the article, it goes on to say 30%... Of Americans between the age of 18 and 39 say this they say we believe in spirituality but not religion we believe in spirituality but not religion now that's a significant increase in spirituality in our country that is a direct response again to secularism atheism and depression but why are they not willing to investigate Christianity but they want spirituality it's summed up in something the author said in that article when he said experts say that American religions have always been characterized by creativity and individualism. That's their secret to success, says Alan Wolfe, director of the Center for Religion in American Public Life at Boston College. Rather than being about God who commands you, it's about finding a religion that empowers you. (laughs) That's why the new age will continue to grow in America because we want spirituality but not authority. Nobody's gonna tell us what to do. All right, let's summarize quickly. New Age says we are gods, that we'll discover that when we close our mind to any thought and open it up to the God who's in us, that reality can be created by us because we are gods. And all of this is a response to secularism and the emptiness we feel that ensues after an atheism world revolution. We want to regain the spiritual world purpose, meaning without absolute authority. New Age is perfect for that. Now stay with me. It'll get light from here on out. Uh, You take a deep breath because I need to, okay? All right. Why are we talking about new age? And why am I so passionate that you know this? It would take time. I mean, because we've been experiencing revival. We've been talking about how God works. And it's been an exciting time. And now we're talking about this stuff that seems heavy. Because I am afraid for you and for me. Because even though there's a lot of people in America that would never claim to be new agers, the philosophy of the new age has permeated every aspect of our society here in America and it's permeated your life too. I want to help you define that. You see it best in one of the most popular people in America. Now, it's going to be important for you to be very careful here. Please do not misinterpret the words I say next. Buy the CD and listen to it over and over before you start quoting your pastor. Okay? Oprah Winfrey. Oprah. Everybody likes Oprah. I like Oprah. Rags to riches story. She said, I'm not going to have any more smut on my program. Good for her. She says, I'm going to see my show as a ministry. Man, you got to love a woman who does what she's done for the girls of South Africa. Man, I love Oprah in a very real sense. I also love the fact she has an incredible thirst for spiritual searching, but I'm concerned because she's been enamored with new age and she doesn't know it. Let me give you an example. Let me give you a few. She does not push any book more than the book by Marianne Williamson, A Return to Love. Oprah bought a thousand copies. She looked into the television camera and said that every home in America should own this book. She says that Miss Williamson, and I quote, is one of the wisest people I know and one of America's foremost spiritual teachers. Now, as you get the book, on the surface, it looks may be Christian. It's written to my father in heaven, says the author. It talks about Jesus, the atonement, the Holy spirit and salvation. But as you read it, it takes these terms. It empties each one of them from the concept concept of biblical language and biblical meaning and refills it with new age definition and philosophy. Williamson in the book says that Jesus is not the unique son of God, that the Holy Spirit is not God, that we are not really sinners, but are totally innocent and perfect, and that evil is merely an illusion and that we're not separated from God. Now, this is another example why if you ask me to accept all religions, you're asking me to live in a loony bin world. You're asking me to check my brain at the door. How can somebody who says this be fundamentally similar to Christianity? And how can both of these systems be true? They cannot. Another book that Oprah loves is The Celestine Prophecy. It specifically claims in the book that it is not contradictive or contradictory to the Bible. And yet, if you read it, it is fundamentally incompatible. Somebody's called it the New Age Catechism. And then there's this other book, The Seat of the Soul by Gary Zubak. The Seat of the Soul, Oprah says it's her favorite book or one of her favorite books. Zubak talks about Jesus, the Garden of Eden. He uses terminology like, thou will be done, ask and you shall receive. He borrows terminology from the Bible, but the book fundamentally contradicts everything the Bible teaches. He says that we are gods, there's no distinction between us and things and events. He says through reincarnation, notice, we can work off our bad deeds. Wait a minute, I thought there was no such thing as evil and it was an illusion. Then why do you need reincarnation to work it off? Jesus is not the son of God, but just an enlightened master. There's no ultimate right or wrong. Wait a minute. Why do we need to work off wrong or bad deeds then? You should not express, he says, moral indignation toward Hitler. Wow. And moreover, he says, we are one with everything. But here's my favorite part of the book. He says that he's in direct communication with dolphins. (laughs) Dolphins are God's. And he said the dolphins told him that they're mad and they're leaving the planet. <laughs> he, says that, he says that they're mad because they're not able to fulfill their sense of purpose and meaning on the earth. Now, my first question is, sir, who gave them their meaning and purpose? He says that here's what we all need to do since we're all gods. We need to close our eyes and just imagine ourselves diving deep into the ocean And going to the dolphins and saying we're sorry, we didn't mean it. He says that their main mission on Earth is to have the aquatic world and the human world merge in hope and peace. But the dolphins say we humans aren't getting it, so they're leaving out of here. They're gone. And he says we should just go and talk to them and say we're sorry, we're going to do better. Please be patient. Now, the first thing I want to ask, Mr. Zubik, is look, and I'm trying to do this with a sense of humility, but you got to ask. How does he know all this? I mean, is Flipper an informant? I mean, (laughs)
1: how do you know? (laughs) This is Today with Jeff Vines, and we're hearing about what influences the new age of spirituality today. Here's Pastor Jeff.
0: When Oprah was asked how she determines the difference between right and wrong, here's what she said. She said, I determine the difference between right and wrong the same way I determine whether or not something is true. She said, if it resonates with me, if it sounds right to me, if it makes me feel good, if I feel that it's right. Now, I want you to understand that is a God claim. That's when you set yourself up as the authority to determine right or wrong. You become the determiner. Now, there's a few things I want to say about this. Number one, Christians scare me today because when I talk to Christians about what is right and what is wrong, what is acceptable, what is not acceptable, what is holy, what is impure. I don't have Christians do what my generation before me did. They quote Bible chapter and verse. Today's young Christian does this because I feel that it's right. And Because I feel that it's right, it must be right. Even though the Bible directly contradicts what you're saying, they say, well, the Bible has got to come in line with me, not me with the Bible. In the fact, you are operating as God with a small g, thinking you can determine what is morally right and acceptable. I just want you to understand that. Once you're a Christian, you're affirming that the Bible is the objective word of God. He has revealed his will to you, and your life's got to line up with him, not him. You, no matter how politically incorrect it is, you're not the standard he is. The other thing is, you think about, this makes no sense to me. Let me, uh, let me illustrate it like this. Bertrand Russell, the great atheist, was in a debate with uh, Father uh, Frederick Copelston. And in this debate, of course, Russell's an atheist. Copelston asked Russell, Do you believe in right and wrong, good and evil? The atheist Russell said, Yes, I do. Father Copelston said, But wait a minute, how do you distinguish, differentiate between good and evil, right and wrong? And Bertrand Russell said, Well, the same way I distinguish between colors, by seeing. Father Copelston said, Wait a minute, how do you distinguish between good and evil? Then he said, On the basis of feeling, what else? Now, Ravi Zacharias, a good friend of mine, stepped in and said, wait a minute, on the basis of feeling, who's feeling, Mother Teresa's or Hitler's? In some cultures, they love their neighbors, in others, they eat them, both on the, ba- both on the basis of feeling. Do you have a personal preference? <laughs> what happens when you meet Hitler and his feeling is that he, it is right for him to extinguish six million innocent Jews? Come on now. How can you determine what is right and wrong on the basis of feeling? What about when the pedophile says to you, I feel it's right to do what I do with little children. And who are you to tell me it's wrong? Come on now. Come on. Unless we're living in a big loony bin, you can never stand up for anything if you think right and wrong is determined on the basis of feeling because everybody's feelings are different. That cannot ever establish an objective authority. And so When Oprah talks like this, and let me just clarify quickly. I don't think that Oprah is a new ager. I could be wrong, but I don't think she is. But regardless, new age philosophy has infiltrated the way she looks at life, just as it has some of yours. I believe she's searching for the spiritual, and I think she should be encouraged for that. But the law of non-contradiction says you cannot embrace both Christianity and new age because they fundamentally oppose each other. (laughs) What would Jesus say to the new age? Let me reword. What would Jesus say to Oprah? I believe, number one, he would say, God loves you and send his son to die for your sins. That pain is real. And pain is the result of sin. And God hates sin because all sin wounds somebody. Either the one you sinned against or even yourself. But you're the temple of God. He loves you. So when you sin, it hurts you. And God doesn't like that. More than that, when you sin... Your sin because God is a holy God separates you from God, but you were created for relationship. So pain is real. Evil is real. But there is atonement, not at one moment. There is atonement found on the cross of Jesus Christ. You can have your sins forgiven and be placed in a right relationship with God the Father. So Oprah and the New Age movement, Don't ever forget what the Puritans call the expulsive power of a new affection. When Jesus comes in your life, he gives you a desire, a spiritual experience to want to do the good and the power to do what is right, what is honorable, what is pure. Number one, God loves you. sent his son to die for you. Number two, God created everything and everything is distinct from him. In the same way that a painter is different and distinct from the painting he creates, God is different and distinct from his creation. Genesis 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In Job 38.4, God said, where were you when I created the foundations of the world? In other words, Job, you weren't there with me. You didn't have a part to play in it. I did it, not you. And what I want to do, God says, is be worshiped because of it. And I think of that beautiful beach, Mirawai Beach in New Zealand that I would take my walks up and down. And that was a spiritual experience for me because it prompted in me, it catalyzed this effect of worship. I wanted to thank God for the beauty I was witnessing. By the way, that is the spiritual experience the world is looking for. Do you know it's only found in one place? where there is great unity in diversity, where we all come from different backgrounds and different pains and different sufferings. But when we come into here, there is unity in that diversity because we all cry out to God and God embraces us and holds us. And if you want a spiritual experience, then give your life over to worship and let God move and hold you and grip you and teach you and open your eyes to his truth. That is what God would say to the new age. Number three, God is not a thing, but a personal heavenly father. God is not a thing, but a personal heavenly father. Jesus says, when you pray, this is how you should pray. And remembering that your father knows what you need before you ask him. He says, pray our father who art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our father, God is our daddy, Abba, father, which means he has our best interest in mind, which means he's for us, which means he desires relationship like I do with my child. Don't resist God, go to God because that's the experience for which humanity is searching. Number four, truth is objective, not subjective. Truth is not based on feeling, but upon the word of God. The Bible says all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. When Pilate had his encounter with Jesus, Pilate started asking questions. And Jesus said, Pilate, you looking for the truth or we just having a discussion here? Pilate said, what is truth? And walked away. Had he remained, Jesus would have said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you want to know truth, watch me. Watch my life. Watch how I respond in every given situation. I am the truth, the way, and the life. By the way, just because you feel something is right doesn't mean it is. The Bible says in Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. Can I give you Christians, us Christians, a warning? You better love your Bible. You better make sure the Bible is getting into you more than New Age philosophy because it permeates you in movies and books and commercials and television shows, you better make sure the Bible is your primary source or you too will succumb to the lie of the evil one. Four, evil is not an illusion. It is very real and must be respected and dealt with. In Ephesians 6, we're told to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Jesus did not say, deliver us from the illusion of evil. He said, deliver us from evil because it's real. As a matter of fact, the Bible says when you begin to denounce God and believe that he's not real, the next step in the process is for evil to run rapid on the earth. Psalm 14.1 says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God, they are corrupt, their deeds are vile, there is no one who does good. Five, God gives his law, but he does not give it arbitrarily. To the new age movement and to those who resist objective moral law, God would say, Don't resist the law. It's designed for your protection because I love you. Psalm 119 says, Your compassion is great, O Lord. Preserve my life according to your laws. In other words, if I follow your law, my life will be long on the earth and it will be prosperous not only in quantity, but in quality. And then finally, number six and last, trust me to give you what you're searching for. Now stay with me here. I'll finish here. Wow. Talk about jet tour through the New Age movement. Jesus gathered the disciples around. He said, guys, come over here. Man, I know you're searching for stuff. I know there's a lot you still don't understand. And I know you're searching for that spirituality, that connection with God that's your father. He says, let me tell you something. You're gonna be tempted in your life to go other ways, to think that you've got a God in you and you can create your own reality, to go the way of materialism. He said, gathered them around. He said, guys, come in here. I I imagine him getting them in a huddle. He says, now listen, look at this. How many of you, As a father, if your little boy asks you for some bread, would give him a rock. Now remember, the way bread looked in first century, it looked a lot like a rock. Here's some bread. Oh, thanks, dad. It's not bread. How many of you, if your son asks you for a fish, the Bible says would give him. It is a snake, but it's really a barbut. It's it's an eel like creature that grows in the Sea of Galilee. So the point is that. You'd say, huh, you wanted a fish? Here you go. It's inedible. It's no good. You wouldn't do that to your son. You'd give him something of great value. Or if he asked for a, what? He'd give him a, <laughs> come on now. Luke chapter 11. If he asked for an egg, would give him a scorpion. All right, maybe I need to remind you of this. If he asked you for an egg, you'd give him a scorpion. An egg, when it's rolled up, Sorry, a scorpion, when it rolls itself up, looks like an egg. The point is, you would say, here's an egg, son. He takes one bite and he's dead. So the point is this. If you ask your father for good things, how much more? If you're able to do that as an earthly father, how much more is God able to do that for his children? That's what he would say to the new age. That's what he would say to Oprah. That's what he says to all of us. If you're looking for the good and you're looking for love and you're looking for acceptance and you're looking for the things that fulfill, come to me, come to God, your heavenly father. Father, we are grateful uh, for your word, for the power of your word, that we are indeed sinners, that we're separated from you, but atonement has been realized, it has been offered. I pray that at the end of the day, that the bushes would have been cleared and we can stand and gaze upon Jesus who offers us everything that we're searching for. And I pray that we would be your ministering servants and we would be able to give to the world what it so desperately longs for, that personal, intimate relationship with God, our Father, who has rescued us, who has created us for his purposes. He has made us. We may praise him and enter into intimacy. I pray for clarity as we go through this series. I pray for any life tonight that is confused, that somehow you would open the eyes of the blind. And today would be the day of salvation in Jesus name. Amen.
1: for joining us on Today with Jeff Vines. That's the end of the new age. Please join us next time as we continue to explore modern spirituality with a new message
0: about the history of Islam. We define things differently. We come at things differently. And every time I've heard a message on Islam, nobody ever starts where I'm gonna start today. That's why it's gonna take me too. Because let me tell you, it's not as simple as you think it is.